previously on Napcast. Uh, a lot of the stories that my dad um, would tell us, or even my mom too, both of them, um, the values that they instilled in us uh, were very much rooted in this idea of um, you do for others um, what they would do for you. And um, in in Philippines, in my family, and my culture, it's so very much a collectivist kind of society. And so you are you in your community and what you can do for your community. Um, and that's, uh, that's a value that I hold. And that value is the love for my family and my friends. Family is a really big word that includes a lot of people um, in a lot of different ways. Each culture has so many different um, ways of doing their stories and it really does vary because each culture is so unique and different um, and something like storytelling is going to be a reflection of that culture and so with all of the stories that my my dad's told me um, a lot of them was very nature-based it was he would tell us this um, isn't based on um, like oh after we were colonized and the Spanish came this was was based on the stories from a long, long time ago when the people who were first here in Philippines who believed um, in all these nature spirits and gods, these are those stories. Um, and it, it was very, very nature-based. And the way that um, all of the stories I feel uh, compared to like the stories that I would hear when my family first moved to the States um, would be like the main character did something that impacted the environment or the community and then something happened in this good or bad way. And then I remember coming here and in elementary school, I would hear these stories of this main character succeeded for themselves in this way by doing this thing or working really hard. Um, and when I think about that now, I think, oh, that's that's quite a difference. <laughs> um, I didn't hear, you know, those like, um, individual like success which is really great and exciting and you just do all this hard work and all these things but I didn't really hear that until coming here to the states um, and getting to hear other stories from my from my friends or my teachers and then being at home and hearing um, different stories from my dad and my and my mom and the rest of my family. In the Philippines, the nation's official religion is Roman Catholicism, which is the faith I was raised in. However, before we were colonized and Christianized mainly by the Spanish and the U.S., my dad would tell me the stories from when the indigenous people of Philippines believed in many different gods and the way everything in nature had or was a spirit. He would tell me and my siblings of these spirits that protected the trees and the rivers, the rocks, the caves, the animals, everything out in nature, um, which meant that you should take care of our environment and our fellow humans, not because, not only because it's this considerate and decent thing to do, but also because if you are disrespectful or you do not take care of the environment, there are these uh, supernatural beings that'll give some kind of um, consequence or punishment because of the wrong that you did. Um, my dad grew up hearing these stories and he very much passed on this practice of oral storytelling to me. Um, 
and my siblings. Um, he would tell us these stories a lot when we were out camping, especially um, growing up, because we were outside and we have these different traditions in our family, like um, especially during holidays or during special events like camping, for example, we would make a little mini meal to offer up to the nature spirits. Um, and we would do a prayer. Um, when collecting firewood or even going into the bathroom outside um, in Ilocano folklore, um, which is part of where my dad is from, um, there are these spirits in every tree called mangmangik. Um, so before cutting down trees, the woodsmen, or even before gathering the branches from the tree, my dad would always tell us to say, um, oh, body body, which is like a very shortened prayer from this longer poem prayer that huntsmen and woodsmen and farmers would say and this prayer is basically just asking for the mangmangik's forgiveness and for permission for collecting their materials and just paying respects to them with that prayer um, and then he'd say oh if you forgot to say this prayer or if you were disrespectful and you didn't care about how you were impacting this tree um, then the, the spirit that mangmangik are going to give you some kind of consequence for your disrespect. All right, y'all. So everyone knows that child care is essential. We're some of the most influential people out there. Yet, we are often overworked and underpaid. So how can you work full time, have hobbies, show your friends and family love, self-care, and also fine tune your skills and grow more in depth? That's where we come in. These NAPCasts are designed to help you learn on the go. Hear another perspective. Spark debate. <laughs> Heck, even agree with us. But honestly, remind you that you're not alone. We live in a complex world, so allow us to challenge your perspective. So are your headphones in? Did you turn the volume up? All right now, good. Let's get it. So last year, when I was telling all these um, Filipino spirit stories to my ocean kiddos, they would often ask, okay, but what happened? What, what did anything happen before? Have you disrespected a spirit? Like what happens to, what happens to you? And so I told them the story of my kuya. Kuya means older brother in Tagalog and I have an older brother. Um, and I told him about the story of there was this one time my kuya disrespected the mangmangik um, when we were out camping. Um, and so the story was that we were out camping one day and we are already like, we already have all the things down pat, like for campers and, you know, we make the food and do the fire and gather the things. And um, we, uh, when we make our meal, you make like a little plate of like just little bits of food as kind of like an offering and you set it down um, by one of the trees nearby, like a little bit outside of our campsite um, as an offering for the Mangmangik and um, the spirit of like the land that we're on and things like that. Um, and you're not supposed to eat it because it's not for you. It's for the spirits. <laughs> um, but 
something or other. I, I, I don't even remember anymore how it came to be, but we were sitting by the fire and then my dad comes out, um, from the trees and he's like, Hey, who, who did this? And he comes and he all holds like the empty, like little plates of the food and there's none of the food is left there. Um, like, Hey, like, who did this? And so, of course, my siblings and all, and I were all like, um, I, didn't, I didn't do it. I was here the whole time. I, I didn't do anything. Um, and, you know, really insisting. Um, and I asked them, or I asked my dad, um, it was it was an animal like it or oh oh no I remember my my younger siblings and I we, we all went oh, it was the spirits <laughs> the spirits are the ones who ate it and my dad started laughing he was like no no not, it wasn't the spirit um and then there was just a bit more like like arguing being like who 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 done it kind of thing and then my kuya um was like nowhere to be found <laughs> like all of a sudden out of the conversation and my dad realizes and like is like hey Russell my my brother's name is I I don't call him that um <laughs> I call him Guya but my dad said hey Russ come back here and um Seth come back here and um my brother comes back and is like okay like it's not that bad it's not like the spirits are real he confesses um and everything like that and says you know um it's not real like it was fine it was just gonna be thrown away or something like that um and my dad went okay well I mean it's happened it happened we'll see what happens in the morning um and my uh two younger siblings and I were frightened for my Goya <laughs> but also me being his little sister but also an older sister I was kind of like yeah let's let's watch what happens <laughs> Um, as at the as older sister. Um, anywho, um, yeah, and at, it was at this moment where I would ask my kids, like, oh, what do you think? What, do you think something would have happened? They were on the edge of their seats, like, what happened? What happened? Let's clean up first. What happened? <laughs> Slide it in there. Anywho, um, so I then I tell them, okay, the next morning, um, you know, we go out. My parents are already up. My siblings and I um, shared a tent. My brother had his own tent, and then my parents had a tent. Um, and um, my we're all up except for my kuya um, and my younger siblings, my younger siblings were like getting teary eyed because they were like, what if the mamangik killed kuya? <laughs> Just, um, but then my dad was like, no, it's, he's inside the tent. It's okay. Um, and, um, then my dad is like, Hey, Seth, like, um, go get up now. It's morning. Like you need to wake up now. Um, opens the tent and things. And my Kuya like hides underneath his sleeping bag. And my dad was like, well, what, why are you doing that? <laughs> um, and then, um, sees my brother is like itching over his sleeping bag really really bad um and my dad goes what happened and so finally make, makes my kuya step out and all down his legs are all these um ant bites like so many and it's so itchy and it's so bad um and um my dad was like 
what happened? And then he was like, I was sleeping and then I woke up and, and I have all these bites now, um, all these things. Um, and my mom and the younger siblings were all like, this is, this was the spirit. This is what happens. You weren't supposed to be disrespectful. You weren't supposed to take their food. This is what happens. Um, and my queen was like, no, it, my tent was over a fire anthill. Like that was the only reason. Like it wasn't the spirit. And then my dad argued back saying, well, there wasn't, the anthill wasn't there yesterday. Where did it come from? Um, and that was the story of when Mike Wyatt disrespected um, one of the spirits, and then that happens to him in the morning. Um, and that's what I told my ocean kiddos. And from there, they were like, okay, I, okay, there's, there's consequences. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I adore that, um, <laughs> that story, that antidote, because it totally aligns with what I've just been really digging into more and exploring. And that's a concept of uh, policing in early childhood education and early learning spaces. And it's, you know, it's really an idea and a thing that my homegirl, Idrima Jordan, hey, Idrima, um, who really kind of sparked my interest in, in this. Because what you just talked about was about respect and reverence for for our lives, right? Our community for, for what we take and what we give back. And I think respect is often portrayed as compliance. And I know Nick has a antidote about what one of his workshop uh, sheets that, that one of his children like brought home. And I'll let him tell that in a little bit. But when we're talking about policing, it's it's about the policing of people's bodies. Of and, and let's be honest, we're, we're not really talking about police, just any person body. We're talking about our BIPOC babies, right? Our our, our BIPOC and our femme identifying bodies, our thoughts, our ideas, um, to really get the desired result that we, as the adult in the room, that we want, so that we can feel comfortable in. All that being said, I'm really interested in hearing how the notion of respect looks like in your culture, Rianne. You know, how does that look like with gestures, with eye contact, um, talking back to people? Because, you know, um, that was a big thing in my culture. Um, but we don't really see it as disrespect. We see it as curiosity and inquiry and activism for what the child wants, um, as well as the other verbal and nonverbal cues. Yes. Yeah. And that's that idea of talking back and that talking back is a very disrespectful thing to do. It's also something in my family and my culture. Um, and yeah, this I, the, the way that um, policing and respect seems to uh, coincide a lot of the times within like classroom management setting kind of things. Um, I think that I there are some things I know from growing up um, or from within my culture um, that it could be seen like that as well. Um, but in Philippines, there's other, there's all these other ways that we show respect for others. Um, and I think of, when I think of, you know, the value of respect in Philippines, um, I think of, okay, the first thing is respect for our elders. Um, and so in, in my family, for example, whenever we go, 
um, to someone else's house or even when we whenever we go home um, we do things like um, the a blessing from our elders so you go to a party or something and then you say oh mano po and mano is hand and po is mano po together means like hand please um and you take your elder's hand and you put it to your forehead and it's kind of like a blessing like you ask for their blessing they give you their blessing and it's a sign of respect and you do that with all of your elders um like your lolan um, or grandmother in tagalog or lolo which is grandfather in tagalog um but nowadays it's funny though because um my titas and my titos my aunts and my uncles sometimes they'll like slap away my hand be like no just give me a hug instead and i i find i find myself doing that too with my younger siblings while they try and go mano and i'm like i'm not i'm not old enough for that just give me your cousin a hug <laughs> um that's one way that in gestures we show respect like that and then I guess um in words to um like how I've been saying tito or tita or how I mentioned I call my kuya kuya and not by his first name um in Philippines and with um the main language our most popular language um being Tagalog we always use um a title and then the name and it's very disrespectful to only use someone's name especially if they are older than you um so my my younger siblings for example they only call me ate and i actually i would get really upset with them when i was younger i would still get a little upset today but um when i was younger i get really upset with them because i would say i'm not rian to you i'm ate and even now like i'm 24 and they're also in their 20s they only call me ate um and the only reason they say my name is because they're telling someone else about my name <laughs> like those kinds of things I feel like by the end of today, I'm about to be fluent in your language. <laughs> there you go. I'm just trying to teach, Mike. <laughs> yeah. I've I've always been um, rather, even as a young kid, rather curious about this concept of respect. And mm -hmm. even now, you know, uh, with my many lenses that I look through the world at and looking at it, this word and this concept of respect, like... And I challenge us, like, how accurately can we actually speak to each of our own culture's concept of respect when a lot of it has been wiped out? Like, we, we only have snippets and maybe small doses and versions of what we think uh, and what has been sort of interpreted over time of what we think our people had, uh, what they considered respect. And a lot of it has been appropriated and whitewashed and colonized. And, and I think, um, people our, in our age demographic are re-exploring and, and we've talked about this idea, Mike, uh, in the past of remembering and not remembering as a cognitive function, but more as bringing the pieces back together as a full member. And, um, and I think people our age are starting to do that a little bit more proactively. So I'm, I'm like, you know, I don't know. I guess like it's just sort of a, and I'm not ask like not necessarily uh, asking for an answer, but like you know, it's just like how accurate is our versions of our people's concepts of respect when when we do know that it's gone through so many uh, 
um, colonized sort of uh, forms and treatments. One, uh, a, a colleague of mine here at United Indians, who's Samoan, was telling me that during large group, grown up serious meetings, um, kids are not, and kids are there, they're, they, they, they have free reign and they can just run around and like do kid things and just be children and kind of keep running around and and there is no expectation for them to like stay seated right or to have like again as we're as we talked about like uh sort of respectful listening ears and whatnot and so i thought that was sort of a a cool uh take on what respect could be like um when you you know when we are like no we got to sit down we got to pay attention to the speaker but maybe that's not appropriate age appropriate for a child or developmentally appropriate and i think that's where uh perhaps the samoan culture is like really gets that um that that value like pretty dead on um mike you had mentioned the uh that the the paperwork or that this, uh, I had to pull it out, but it's the obedience song, right? And it's a song that an elementary school kid had, and it, it's all about being obedient. So it spells out O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E, come spell it out with me, O-B-E-D-I-E, and you'll see how easy it can be. And then it goes through all these things, like, can you imagine... Can you just imagine a frog that wouldn't hop, a horse that wouldn't listen when you hollered stop, and all these things about how to be obedient? And it, I don't know, it just, it just screams sort of those, uh, everything that we're talking about, policing children, like this is what it means that you have to be obedient because if you're not doing these things or if you're not falling under this umbrella of a concept, then, then you're not this. And you're that, and it's an either-or thing, right? Which is a white supremacy uh, pillar. And what really strikes me is like there's all these there's all these imageries on it, but like the group of kids that are portrayed are to me look like children of color. You know, even though this whole thing is black and white, but when you look at it, you can like, oh yeah, most of these three of these kids are are children of color, and it's, so it just. Uh, you know, and this is something that a teacher thought would be, you know, fun and, and deliverable to, you know, for, for a child to learn obedience. And, and, and I think I love that concept, Mike, that sometimes we think respect falls under compliance. And, and that's what this sort of like means or, or rings out to me. I, I'm not a parent. I, I don't have a child, but I feel like if I did... And which is so ironic because as an educator, I hate the helicopter parent who's always like, what are you doing? What are they doing now? Why are they doing this? Man, as soon as my child gets into the K-12 system, I feel like I'm going to be there every day. Like, let me let me see your lesson plan right here. Oh, uh, no. Why are you talking about this? And I, uh, I've, I've already resigned myself to, yep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do that. Or if... You know, if I'm a Tito or, t- you know what I mean? Any like, yeah, see, I got, I'm picking yeah, up, yeah. I'm my uncle, whatever. I'm going to be everywhere, all over that, because, mm-mm, not on my watch. 
So it, it looks like October is, is approaching. Well, we are in October. Well, we're filming this on September 30th. But um, October is Filipino, Filipina, Filipinex, American Heritage Month. And we often think of multiracial people really in this, in this binary of uh, black and white. I mean, just think race in, in terms of that. How do you think your culture and your identity gets lost when we group Asians, indigenous, native Hawaiians, Filipinx descents together? And how are you either, uh, I guess, seeing the children of color in your classroom actively work to disrupt, because you actually have quite a few uh, children of Asian descent in your classroom. Um, how do you see them actively working to disrupt uh, this? Or what advice would you give us if we don't, um, as educators who are listening to this, what advice would you give us so that we can continue to see the brilliance of each child's culture? Um, and then obviously, you know, bonus points if we can talk about children of Filipinx descent. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Um, well, first of all, when people do get mixed up or think lots of Asian cultures are all one and the same, I think they're missing out. Filipinos are freaking awesome. <laughs> they're missing out on our food and our desserts. Oh my goodness, that's just a big thing. And then missing out on, I mean, our beaches and the beautiful lands and jungles and forests and volcanoes that we have um, in Philippines, um, the festivals or traditions that we have. It's all... Uh, so unique to Philippines, and sure, it might be similar to um, some other cultures who are geographically nearby, but Filipinos and um, those of um, Laotian or those of Chinese or those of Vietnamese or those of all the different ethnicities and cultures within Asia um, are all so unique and different, and they're not all one and the same. And I would encourage anyone to find out those differences. And yes, just like you said, Mike, I do have quite a few students in my classroom this year who are of of different Asian ethnicities and, and of different Asian descents. Um, and they're all proving and showing every single day that their families are all unique from one another um, and that they do different things um, that my my Filipino family and one of my one of my students um, he's of a Filipino descent as well our families um, we both recognize um, maybe the same words in Tagalog like I'll use I'll use different words um, in Tagalog with um, anytime I have uh, a student in my, who, in my class who is also of Filipinx descent because I get really excited. <laughs> I get really, especially when they come in. Um, one of my kids, he uh, came in one day and his lunch was Panse Canton. And Panse Canton is like from this little, it's like a little packet and it tastes so good. And I grew up eating it because it's like this really easy, it's like our stir fried noodles. And he came in one day with and I got so excited. I, like the moment he opened his lunch, I smelled it. <laughs> um, and uh, and I and I got really excited. And all of my other kids were just like, 
what's this? And just started having conversations about it and then shared, oh, this is what I eat in my family. This is what um, this friend eats in his family. This is what this friend eats in her family. And just sharing and learning from one another, learning about new dishes. Food is always exciting to me. But even from there, opening up conversations um, about their family also leads to opening up conversations about where their family is from and their culture. Um, and that, oh, so-and-so was born in Vietnam and I was born in Philippines and um, you were born in Seattle. Just having those conversations and um, having it be something um, exciting or being enthusiastic about it. And when I, I guess I, when it comes to encouraging like other Filipino educators or um, other educators about um, those who are of Filipinx descent, um, just being excited to get to know um, them and what they do at home and um, who their siblings are or cousins or um, how much they love their mom and dad or something like that. Um, just being genuinely interested um, opens up so many things for um, the teacher, for for them, and for all the students in the classroom. We'll be right back. Hilltop Children's Center is a high-quality preschool, after-school program, and professional development institute of early learning and inquiry, serving the Seattle community since 1971. Together. We are working with the next generation of inventors, leaders, thinkers, artists, and social activists. For more information on our professional development and community outreach, including workshops, presentations, blogs, coaching and consulting, and of course, this NAPCAST, please visit www.hilltopcc.org. I find it interesting that like, oftentimes we do want to, and, and it's important, and again, I think this, what I'm getting at is a sense of balance that there, that, yeah, not all Asian cultures, just like Latin cultures aren't going to be the same or like European cultures or Native American cultures, but there are underlying commonalities as well. And so I wonder about, you know, the, the benefits and making sure that we're also highlighting similarities, right? Like, so when you were talking about um, the, the spirits in things earlier on in this uh, in this recording what came to my mind immediately was shintoism in japan i don't know if you're familiar with that but it's you know that every uh living and unliving thing has a spirit and so there's spirits everywhere in, according to shintoism and that you treat them with respect and that you pray to the kami kami i think it is that you um that they ward off evil and keep you safe and whatnot and bring blessings and so it seemed very like parallel and we know that you know japan and philippines aren't very far apart and so it well it's almost i was thinking like that uh concept of like what came first chicken and the or, or the egg right or were they simultaneously one and influenced each other in some sense um and and so i guess i'm more speaking to the the idea of yes celebrate the uniqueness and in the individual culture but also how are we all the same, you know, and, and that it, I guess it's like a tree, right? Like we're all, it's all one trunk, but mm -hmm. it can branch out in various ways, but we're all still come back to the center. Um, 
So in total, Mike was telling me that you all have at Hilltop right now about six staff members who identify as Filipino, Filipina, Filipinx, American, yeah. or Filipinx indigenous, or and have immigrated over from, from the Philippines, Philippines themselves. So with that, you know, I think about how gender and the stories of colonization and its continuous effects, like settler colonialism, colonialism labor extraction, human trafficking with that, you know, justice and re resistance has played a role in uh, Filipinos' history. How has the miseducation of your culture, of your triumphs, affected you? And how would you support other Filipino educators in seeing themselves as the source of strength that they seek? Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for calling attention to all those very important um, things. I feel like for me, um, this is something, especially when I'm, I'm really getting into, okay, I'm proud of um, being Filipino-American, um, but then what does that mean? And where do these things in my culture history come from? Um, and unearthing that um i just very recently started to really um research more and really understand um some things and um historical events that have happened um in philippines and in my culture um and it's hard to learn of those things when i didn't grow up knowing or i didn't grow up learning about any of it um, in any of my classes or history books or anything. Um, and I think um, it really shaped uh, my, the way that I viewed my being a Filipino American so differently. And it really shapes the way that I view my parents who immigrated over here so differently, knowing these, all these different things that, that have happened in all these different ways that um, my family has overcome or um, something like that to get all of us to where we are today. Um, but that was, it's hard. It's hard to learn about those really awful moments in our history um, to my ancestors and to my people. Um, and it's, it was something that I, it's taking me a bit of time to really go over just because it's, uh, a bit scary and sometimes like I feel like you feel a bit ashamed or maybe even confused um and when it comes to like I guess I was talking about earlier the identity work that I've done and I would highly encourage everyone to do um specifically for this identity of being Filipina or Filipinex um or being a Filipinex American um learning and researching and sitting with it, um, internalizing all the parts of this identity of ours um, and the way that it's really reflects, reflected in the way that we interact with others, the way that we teach, um, the way that we communicate or view things um, and being okay with how uncomfortable some of it feels um, in order to fully internalize it and then taking action and doing things about it. Um, and so that's, um, that could be for Filipinx educators, um, talking about and sharing stories, for example, or um, if 
uh, a Philippinex educator working in high school, um, and um, they have, you know, Philippinex family that came over and um, opening up conversations and connections and pathways for them or for one another in this community. Um, that taking action bit as well is, I feel like, the part that I, at least I am currently working on in like my identity work because that's just as important and also just as difficult, <laughs> even though it's that one step after um, doing that identity work. Um, but yes, for, for Filipinx educators, I would say if they haven't yet had the opportunity to really think about how being of Filipinx descent has impacted at least their teaching and their pedagogies, the way that they interact with their students and their families and their coworkers, they need to because the mom the when I was able to start working on that, it opened up doors for me, that were only really closed because I kept them closed. Um, and once they were open, then it's that next action of, okay, I need to go through that door now <laughs> because it's open now and I did that and I got to do something about it. Um, so I would really um, encourage other Filipinx educators to think about our history, our country and ancestry. Um, sit and internalize and learn about all the different things um, and then do something about it. I think for for our for us, right, as as voices of color, so much of of society or of Western society thinks of us and boils us down only into a month. So Black History Month, that's the only time we're gonna think about black people. Or when someone gets killed, right? Um and, and for you, it's it's October. But how are you celebrating you and all the wonderful things that you bring to, to this world um, each and every single day? I am a very positive person, and I tend to be very enthusiastic by nature. <laughs> um, so when it comes to the month of October, I mean... For everyone, there's so many different reasons to be excited, but I really love how I will. I really appreciate how at least right, like for people of color, you know, they give us that week or they give us that month. Um, but other than that, it's I see it as um, optimistically an opportunity, like to bring this up. Um, I mean, I am. Filipino American, and I'm very, very proud. Um, so I kind of bring it up all the time. <laughs> um, um, but I like to celebrate just by coming in every day and just looking for ways to connect. It's my favorite thing. I love talking to my kids um, and getting to know other people. Um, and that's a celebration that can happen every day and not just um, only to do about my heritage or my students' heritage or my coworkers or anything. Um, I, it can be tiring because, right, um, it's a lot to talk to other people, but <laughs> um, I'm celebrating this month by just finding ways to really connect, get to know my kids and my families, my coworkers, letting them get to know me, the things that I'm excited about, um, the reasons why I'm proud to be Filipino American, um, and then also celebrating by sharing food. It's a practice within my culture and my family that's 
we really love to do. Um, so for me, feeding people <laughs> or sharing recipes or talking about food, um, if there's an opportunity or there's interest, I like to like to do that. <laughs> well, I will definitely be on the receiving end of that. So don't uh, <laughs> feel free to share your culture in February, March, <laughs> at all the time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I was working with you the, the other day, which was a joy and delight. And I learned so much from you. Um, and you were doing art in one section of the room. And I was playing dinosaurs in a different part. And I'm not really sure how we landed on it uh, when I was in my section. But the children wanted to beat up the T-Rex that I was playing with. So I decided to uh, grab another one of our toys in our room and said, this T-Rex is hopping on a helicopter because clearly that's what T-Rexes do. And I told them that I was flying away to hide from them. And I saw you across the room. So I took my helicopter T-Rex and I said, we are flying over to the Philippines to talk to Rianne. And, uh, uh, you know, but of course, the other dinosaurs who wanted to beat me up followed me, um, even though they didn't have helicopters, but I'll talk to them about that. And, that time. <laughs> and while I was there visiting you in the Philippines, I asked you about the wonderful food that you had there and if there was any fruits and vegetables that we could all eat, because I was also talking about earlier how I'm an omnivore uh, T-Rex. So it's through play that we really get to uh, expand children's minds and teach them lessons and ideas about the world. So do you have an example of how you're introducing new concepts related to your culture in play, um, when we go visit parks and the walks that we do and conversations, while still allowing children to, to lead? Yeah, and also that was a really wonderful moment. <laughs> like I, I really appreciated that. Um, like you opened up the opportunity for me to include um, parts of my culture and where my family is from, and it was very organic. And because we're, they got totally into it after I was like, "Get some mangoes." <laughs> Um, you can visit my family's farm. It's over there. <laughs> um, but yeah, just through play um, and uh, through the environment. So setting out things, first of all, I guess, like just very foundational in within the environment of my classroom. We have all sorts of different books, um, pictures. Um, excuse me. I'm just going to cough. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and uh, I I have some books currently in the classroom um, that talks about there's like a Filipino celebrations and there's a Filipino friends book. And it has like one of them is like a Tagalog English book where you learn um, the different translations. And one of them talks about the different festivals that we have in the Philippines. Um, can, you, but, can you name those for us? Can, do you remember off the top of your head? The celebrations? Uh, the name of those two books that you just referenced. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's Filipino Friends and Filipino Celebrations. <laughs> yeah, very simple. Um, <laughs> um, and like very much on um, topic of what is inside the books. But um, yeah, just opening those up. Like today, for example, um, one of uh, my kids noticed like, oh, on the Filipino Friends, there's a picture, a drawing of um, a jeepney, which is like a bus that we have. Um, 
and it's they they're all really decorated and things it's like a very um iconic filipino like this is what you see in philippines in the cities um but they uh he asked that's a really cool bus and from there i said that's actually called a jeepney let's open the book and talk about and was able to talk about um things that i remember from being philippines he was born in vietnam um he and his parents and so he was like i was born in vietnam and um this this and that um i saw this and we don't have that in vietnam but we have this and then the other kids came over and that was really wonderful um um, and in that moment, it was me, um, like, uh, initiating, oh, this is what this is called in, in my country and in my culture. Um, and then asking them to follow up with, what do you want to add? What, what part of yourself do you want to share in this conversation of ours? Um, and that could happen, like, in our book area, that could happen out during, um, playtime or outside talking about trees i've talked about camping before because the kids would talk about hiking um things like that i know for myself Rianne, it's uh it's it's been very fruitful to hear about your, your experiences and and uh all things filipino and that's and, and for me especially because not too long ago, I found out that um, that I'm part Filipino and Japanese as well. But well, it's funny. Yeah, a lot of Filipino react, or my friends react that way. But I'm like, I, I have no connection to the culture whatsoever. May, <laughs> so. may I, can I just say, just really quick, when yeah. well, that's I would expect nothing less because whenever, at least for me being Filipina, Filipina, when I find uh -huh. out like anyone has like any little bit, <laughs> yeah. know, I'm like. Oh. Welcome to the family. <laughs> right, yeah. And I I've, I had this one friend who started speaking Tagalog to me. I'm like, dude, oh. I, I'm not just going to know it just because I found out <laughs> that I'm part oh, of Filipino. Yeah. I only found that out like less than a decade ago. So come on. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, uh, but what I have come, um, what has been nice about knowing that is and, and learning about it from people like you and other other folks is is finding again like i was saying earlier finding the cross-cultural similarities like oh that like oh the way that your your family operates or the way that i'm hearing about this culture is similar to what i i've experienced in the latino culture or mexican-american culture um and you know one of those things has always been like this idea of stories and just like a lot of uh latinos like you're full of stories so I was wondering if you, you know, you could share one more or maybe perhaps a nursery rhyme for those, you know, working with young, some of our younger children. Yeah, for sure. And thank you. Um, well, again, you know, like, it's excited. It was the Filipino too, Nick. <laughs> um, but uh, for a nursery rhyme, there's this um, pop, like one of the more popular Filipino uh, Tagalog nursery rhymes called um, Bahay Kubo, um, which is um, the name for the nipa huts in philippines um the nipa huts are like the roof is made out of the nipa grass um and then the walls are made out of bamboo or wood or something like that but they're in um the shape of a square so bahay means house and kubo means cube so bahay kubo is cubed house um and the nursery rhyme is 
um, about Baha'i Kubo and all of the things that grow around the house, even though it's small um, and things like that. And in um, I was looking at the lyrics and I found this article about the history of this nursery rhyme. And I learned that the reason why um, we call the Nipah huts like Baha'i Kubo as like colloquial, like that's just what you call it now, um, is because when American missionaries would come over from the States to the Philippines, they were so fascinated <laughs> by the Nipah huts and they really liked that it was a cube shape and they would call it in English um, a cubed house. Um, so then from there in Tagalog, that's Bahay Kubo and like the uh, person or people who made up this nursery rhyme, they use the term Bahay Kubo rather than Nipah huts because it was like so popularized by like, oh, it's such a cute house from the American missionaries. But that was just, I just thought that was so interesting and really funny. <laughs> um, but that's why this nursery rhyme um, has Baha'i Google. But um, so it talks about the different like vegetables and I could sing, do you want, do you want me to sing it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna try to do Leah Salongo really proud. She's a very famous Filipino singer and actress, but um it goes um Bahai Kubo Kahit Munti Anghalaman Doon Ay Sari Sari Singkamas at Talong Sigarias at Mani Sitao Batao Patani Kundol patola, upot kalabasa, at saka mayroon pang labanos mustasa, sibuyas, kamatis, bawang at luya, sa paligid-ligid ay puno ng lingga. And then it repeats and it repeats. And in English, um, it's like, oh, um, it's, uh, Nipa huts, even though it's small, um, the plants that grow around it are all varied. There's turnip and eggplants, um, wing bean and peanut, string bean, hyacinth bean, lima bean, <laughs> um, wax gourd, uh, sponge gourd, white squash and pumpkin. There's radish and mustard, onion, tomato, garlic, and ginger, and sesame seeds. <laughs> um, and so with this nursery ring, it's just like kind of really catchy. <laughs> the tune gets stuck in your head, at least for me. Um, and uh, for um, in Philippines, like you kind of learn the different names of the vegetables, both in English and Tagalog. Um, so like you get to learn both. I'm just going to go to the next restaurant and be like, patalo. patalo. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, ask for some kamatis and sibuyas. <laughs> and then when they respond back in full white, I'm going to be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then they'll give you a side of rice, too, because yeah. it's really important. <laughs> you know, Rianne, I, I learned so much today. I learned science. I learned history. I learned different language. Um, my cup is so full, and I and I so appreciate you for your time, your wisdom, and um, I feel like anyone who just listened to this to this napcast, like we're all better educators and early learning professionals because of you. 
Thank you so much. This is very kind, Mike. And thank you both, Mike and Nick, for all of your time. And um, also just for giving me this opportunity to use my voice and share my stories. Um, it's really fun. And I feel so honored. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, likewise, like Mike said, my cup is full as well. And like I mentioned, now I feel a little bit closer to that Filipino side. Yay. <laughs> Thank you.